Please find 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and today we come to the fourth of the Christian's four finest days. Our theme this month of uh, February has been four fine days, and in keeping with that theme, I've been preaching on the Christian's four finest days. And we began the first Sunday of this month by talking about the fearing day. The fearing day. And by the fearing day, I mean the day that the Christian, he wasn't a Christian at that time, but the day that the Christian realized the guilt of his sin and realized that he had to give account of himself to a holy God. Have you ever had a fearing day? Have you ever felt the, the guilt, the reality, the weight of your sin? Has it, has it occurred to you that you're not going to be on this earth forever? You've got to go out into eternity. And when you go out into eternity, you've got to meet God. And you need to ask yourself this question if you've never asked it. How can I stand acceptably in the presence of a holy God as a sinner? How can I stand acceptably in the presence of a holy God? And that's the fearing day when you, when you ask yourself that question and you realize that you must meet this holy God and you can't stand before Him in your sins. Well, that was a somber way to begin, but we moved on then to the finding day. That was the second Sunday of February. And the finding day was... That day when the Christian found forgiveness. The day he became a Christian. The day he found forgiveness. Oh, dear friends, God forgives sinners. God forgives sinners. Some of you may be saying, well, preacher, if you just uh, understood how bad a sinner I've been, you'd never say that. I want you to know you're not a greater sinner than the Lord is a Savior. He can save you. He can forgive you. He wipes the slate clean when you come to Him in repentance and faith. And He says He will never remember your sins against you anymore. He not only forgives them, He forgets them. Never remember your sins against you anymore. Isn't that a blessed thing? I love that theme so much, I'm almost uh, tempted to go back and preach that sermon all over and push, push this one back to next Sunday. And then we talked last Sunday, and this was surprising, I think, to some Christian's third finest day is his dying day. His dying day. Now, death itself is not a pleasant experience. But oh, when the Christian dies, he meets the Lord Jesus. He's released from all his troubles and trials, all his burdens, and he never has to die again. He never has to die again. Some of, you, some of you will recall that I said in that sermon that the Christian is born twice, but he dies once. But the unbeliever, are you not a Christian today? I hope you'll hear what I have to say to you. If you're not a Christian today, you're born once and you die twice. The Bible speaks of that horrible reality that it calls the second death. The second death. Well, that brings you up to speed. And now today, I suppose most of you here, if I were to ask you what is the theme for today's sermon, you, you probably wouldn't have any trouble at all uh, guessing the theme for today's sermon. We've talked about the fearing day, the finding day, the dying day. What's left? 
Well, this, the rising day, the rising day. And that's the day that the believer who has died rises from his grave to meet the Lord in the air. And that's our theme for today. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to read two portions of this uh, 15th chapter. First, uh, verses 20 through 23. The Corinthians to whom Paul was writing were in what we might call a muddle. They were in a muddled mess. They weren't clear on this business of the resurrection. They believed that Jesus had risen from the grave, but they didn't believe that they themselves would rise from the grave. And so Paul writes this long chapter. It is a long chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, to clear things up for them, to get them out of their muddled mess. And look now at verses 20 through 23. Paul says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. And then go with me to verses 50 through 58. Verses 50 through 58. And Paul says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, there's certainly more in those verses of Scripture than I can hope to deal with in the course of one sermon. I'm going to have to be content just to glide along the surface here. And the question that I want to raise and the question I want to answer is this. What will happen on the Christian's rising day? On the Christian's rising day, what will happen? And Paul gives us the answer in these verses of Scripture. He tells us, first of all, that Jesus will come again. On the Christian's rising day, Jesus will come again. And he says, secondly, that we talking about Christians now, we will be changed. Our bodies will be changed. And the third thing he says is death will be conquered. Death will be conquered. And so we're talking about coming and changing and conquering. And you see three phrases here in this 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the three phrases on which I'm building these three points. There in verse 23, Paul says, those who are Christ at his coming, there's the coming, 
And in verse 51, he says, we shall all be changed. There's the changing. And there in verse 54, he says, death will be swallowed up in victory. There's the conquering. And so Jesus will come, our bodies will be changed, and death will be conquered. I have to tell you, I can't imagine why some of you would uh, not want to, uh, to accept Christ as your Savior. I, I can't imagine why some of you refuse to, to accept Christ and be Christians. What a glorious future. Christ will come again, bodies will be changed, and death will be conquered. What keeps you from accepting Christ as your Savior? Isn't that the kind of future you'd like to have? It's a glorious future indeed. If you were to ask me, we're going to deal with uh, now the first thing, and that is Christ will come. And if you would ask me, when rising day will occur, when rising day will occur, I would tell you I know and I don't know. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? When will rising day occur for the Christian? I know and I don't know. Now here's what I know. I know that it will occur when Jesus comes. Because uh, Paul says there again in that 23rd verse that this will happen at His coming. The thing I don't know, and by the way, you don't know either. The thing I don't know is when Jesus will come. The worse this world gets, the more I find myself longing for the coming of Christ. Are you, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, are you able to identify with that? Do you find yourself longing for Jesus to come? It'd be a blessed thing if He came today, wouldn't it? If the Lord Jesus came today, wouldn't that be a blessed thing? But we don't know when He's going to come. I think Christians over the years have embarrassed themselves at this point several times. You all know about times in which someone has uh, released the date for the coming of the Lord. This happened a few years ago. Some fellow said he had done careful calculations and he announced a date, I think it was sometime in May. And I was out mowing my grass when that day arrived, this day in May, and, and I was saying, Lord, if you're going to come today, do it before I have to mow this grass. But he didn't come. And in fact, I got through mowing the grass, he still hadn't come. And then Sylvia served a fine lunch, and I said, Lord, if you're going to come, wait until my lunch is over. And I got through lunch, he still didn't come. And the evening came, well, he, he didn't come. And then this same fellow, some of you remember this? This same fellow then said he had made a slight error in his calculations, and that now he decided it would be October before Jesus came. So I eagerly waited for October to arrive. And the date that he specified came around, and guess what? The Lord Jesus didn't come. And oh, how the unbelieving world ridiculed Christianity because oh, they said, there you have it, these Christians, they're, they're a bunch of nutcases and that kind of thing. The only thing you need to know about the date of the Lord's coming is you don't know. You don't know. And I think if you were to guess it by accident, the Lord would change it. And Jesus himself said over there in Matthew's gospel that no one knows the day or the hour. He said the angels in heaven don't know. And he said no one knows except God the Father himself when Jesus will come. 
But that's when rising day will occur is when Jesus comes. Now this is something else I know. I know He's coming. I know He's coming. Jesus Himself said there in John chapter 14, some of you will remember the passage, if I go, I will come again. Listen to Him. I will come again and receive you unto Myself that where I am, there you may be also. If you happen to be of a skeptical bent, if you're sitting here thinking today that there's no chance that the, the Lord Jesus is going to return. It's been too long. I want to tell you, He will return. He always keeps His promises, and He will return. And so you can take that, as they say, to the bank. The Lord Jesus is coming again. He said, I will come again and receive you to Myself. And then you find there in Acts chapter 1, the account of how that uh, after Jesus uh, arose from the grave, he ascended to the Father in heaven. And this occurred outside the city of Jerusalem. And you remember his disciples were gathered there with him. And as they were, and suddenly he just began to ascend. He just began to be lifted up out of their sight. And don't you know those men stood there gazing at that spot in the sky where they had last seen Jesus, and then suddenly two men in white apparel, angels, stood with them and said, Ye men of Galilee, listen, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus will come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And of course, all the apostles bear witness to this too. Paul says over there in 1 Thessalonians himself, aren't these wonderful words? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. This world has not seen the last of Jesus. Well, that's uh, then uh, the first answer to what will happen on rising day. Jesus will come again. And then the second thing that will happen on rising day is our bodies will be changed. Our bodies will be changed. And uh, I'm looking there again at that verse that I called your attention to earlier, verse 51, where Paul says, we shall all be changed. Now, this, ladies and gentlemen, we have to make a distinction here. And I want to talk to you about what this will mean for dead Christians and what it will mean for living Christians. Paul says we shall all be changed. You notice there in verse 51, he says we shall not all sleep. And by the word sleep, and this is easily proven, you have to take my word for it because I don't want to take time to go into it. But by the word sleep, he's talking about death. He's talking about Christians who have died. By the way, isn't that a rather pleasant way to think about death? Death for the Christian is just asleep. Asleep. And Paul says we shall not all sleep. What he's saying is not all Christians are going to die. Not all are going to die. Now there are some very proud intellectuals these days. They're so proud of their brains. And they go around and tell us that Christianity is on its last leg that it doesn't have much farther to go. Maybe somebody should tell those folks down in Asbury, Kentucky, that Christianity is on its last leg. It doesn't have much farther to go. Christianity is going to perish from the face of the earth. And some of these proud intellectuals assure us that that will be a blessed day when Christianity is completely uh, ended. 
when it ceases to exist because in their view, Christianity has been a negative thing for, for humanity. Oh, if we had several hours, I'd like to talk with you about the blessing that Christianity has brought to the world. The blessing that it has brought to the world. And by the way, the accusation that's being leveled so frequently today that Christianity is a religion of, of oppressors, it's not true, ladies and gentlemen. It's not true. But that will have to... Well, if you want to stay this afternoon for a couple of hours, I'd be glad to take you down that road and talk to you about uh, how Christianity has been a blessing to the world, how it's been a blessing to humankind. But there are some people who just take uh, great delight in saying Christianity is going to die. Listen, there are going to be Christians on this earth when Jesus comes. There's going to, because Paul says we shall not all sleep. There are going to be Christians on this earth when Jesus comes. But now we're talking about this business of our bodies being changed. What will this mean for dead Christians? My father died back in 1985, my mother in 1992. Their bodies are out there in Little Green Hill Cemetery near Van Burensburg. Illinois. Their bodies are there in those graves where we placed them when they died. Now what will the coming of Jesus mean or what will rising day mean for the, the body of my dad and the body of my mom? Well, the Bible is very clear about this. The Bible says when Jesus comes on rising day, the bodies of believers will be raised from their graves. And Paul makes it very clear over there in 1 Thessalonians 4. He says, For the Lord Himself, the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and those who are who are, have died in Christ, the dead in Christ, will rise first when Jesus comes. Now, this doesn't mean, and I think this is the point at which many of the Corinthians were confused. This doesn't mean that our bodies are going to be raised to continue life as we know it now. Paul says very clearly here in 1 Corinthians 15, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And when I tell you that bodies are going to be raised from the grave, I'm not telling you that we're going to continue to live life as just flesh and blood human beings. No, bodies will be raised... But those bodies will also be changed. And Paul in Philippians chapter 3 tells us what this change will be like. He says, we will receive bodies that are fashioned like the resurrection body of the Lord Jesus himself. Now stop and think about the resurrection of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus arose from the grave, was the tomb empty? What do you think? Do we need to take a vote on this? When Jesus arose from the grave. Was the tomb empty? Sure it was. The disciples went into that tomb and the body was gone. But now, did Jesus have exactly the same kind of body after he arose from the grave as he did before? Well, you find him later that day suddenly appearing in a room without opening the door. And that's a different kind of body now, isn't it? And Paul goes into great detail about this if you read all this chapter. And he will say the resurrection body will surpass and supersede the body that goes into the grave. The resurrection body will 
far surpassed that even as a plant far surpasses the seed from which it sprang. And so this is what awaits believers who have died. My dad's body will come springing out of that grave someday and in an instant be changed and fashioned after the resurrection body of Jesus. <laughs> when I walked away from my dad's grave, the words that I heard in my sounding in my mind were the words of Jesus. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who dies shall yet live. He's the resurrection and the life. Now, what will this mean for believers who are living? I've already said that uh, there will be believers on this earth when Jesus comes. And Paul says there in that, that verse, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And you can get more insight if you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And here's what rising day will mean for the Christians who are still alive. It means that they will suddenly be snatched up. They will receive their resurrection bodies without having to pass through death when Jesus comes. The Bible says that uh, He will catch up believers. Imagine that. Believers on the earth will have their bodies snatched up and they won't have to pass through death. Now we call this the rapture of believers. The rapture. And the word rapture just means catching up, snatching away. And the Bible talks about this. It says two men will be out here in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. Two will be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken, and the other left. And this is what awaits living believers. What a glory that will be for believers who are on this earth when Jesus comes, just to simply be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then the third thing, that what will happen on rising day? Well, Jesus will come. And when Jesus comes, the bodies of believers will be changed. Dead believers will come out of their graves and receive bodies fashioned like unto His glorious resurrection body. And living believers will be caught up to meet Him in the air. And then death itself will be conquered. Don't you love what Paul says there in verse 54? Death is swallowed up in victory. And oh, I so love what Paul says here as God's people soar into the air to meet the Lord Jesus. They'll shoot a glance back at the grave and they'll taunt death and they'll say, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? And he says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll taunt death on that glorious day when Jesus comes. We'll taunt death on that glorious day when our bodies are changed. Don't you get tired of death? Don't you get tired of death and dying? Maybe you'd have to be a pastor to get tired of death. I, in my years in ministry, have conducted... 300 funerals. 300. 
And I have to tell you, having conducted that many funerals, I'm tired of death. I'm tired of it. I was uh, still just a young pastor serving Calvary Baptist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois, which is part of the St. Louis, Missouri Metroplex. And uh, one Sunday afternoon, phone rang, and I heard the sad, sad report about a mother and her two children who had drowned in the Mississippi River. One of the children got too far out in the river, began to be carried downstream, and the mother went in to rescue the child and began to be carried downstream. And the other child went in to rescue the mother and his sister, and they all drowned. And I stood there a few days later with this large casket in front of me, and a small casket over here, and a small casket over there. And I said, I'm so tired of death. So tired of it. And I've gotten more tired of it with each passing year. But oh, thank God for this, there's coming a day when death itself will die. And that's when Jesus comes. Death itself will die for the Christian. There'll be no second death for the Christian. He's been released from that because of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. This uh, 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is a fascinating chapter. and There are all kinds of interesting details here in this chapter. I preached through this chapter some years ago and it took me four or five sermons just to get through this one chapter. It's a long chapter, 58 verses, but it took four or five sermons to get through it all. It's just packed with interesting details. But may I, in closing, tell you what I consider to be the most important detail in 1 Corinthians 15? Here it is, verse 57. These last five words through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the most important detail in 1 Corinthians 15. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the most important detail because that tells us, ladies and gentlemen, what we must do if we want to be part of this glorious rising day. We must receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's no other way to participate in the glorious victory described here in this chapter if we have not received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So my question to you today is this. Have you trusted Christ? Have you come to the end of yourself? Have you said... I don't have an answer for my dilemma. My dilemma is how can I, a guilty sinner, ever stand acceptably in the presence of a holy God? Have you come to that point where you've asked that question? Here's the Bible's answer. There's one way, one way for you to stand acceptably in the presence of a holy God, and that's through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Have you received Christ? Have you trusted Him? What's holding you back? Are you saying, well, most people don't believe that stuff, so I'm not going to believe it? Well, does it occur to you that most people could be wrong? 
I'll tell you, if everybody else in Jackson started eating out of garbage cans, I'd still sit down at my dining room table and eat. You follow the crowd, and you'll follow it right into eternal destruction. You better listen to the testimony of the Bible. You better listen to what the Bible says about this Jesus who came to this earth from heaven, lived and died on our behalf, and then rose from the grave himself and went back into heaven. If you ask me, this is the authority, Jesus Christ, on these things. And I think you can safely ignore the latest public opinion poll and you can rest your case on the man who has demonstrated that he is the authority on these matters. What keeps you from accepting Christ? The old Puritan Richard Baxter used to say that he preached as a dying man to dying men and never sure to preach again. Every sermon, Richard Baxter said, I stand there as a dying man preaching to dying men and I'm never sure that I'll have the opportunity to preach to them again. This may be the last time you ever hear me preach. Will you listen to me today? You're facing eternity. And there's only one way to be prepared for eternity. Paul gives it to you in those words. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. May God help you today. To see the weight, the guilt, the enormity of your sin. And to flee to Jesus. So that on rising day, you'll have victory. Victory over death. And glorious resurrection life. Let's bow together for prayer. Thank you, Father, for the testimony of your word regarding this glorious day that awaits the children of God. That help everyone here to know that this is something that only awaits the children of God. And Father, help those who have not come to Christ in true saving faith to receive him today. And Father, may the people of God rejoice with exceeding joy over what lies ahead. And it's all through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us today to understand these things and to respond as we should. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.